We are excited to be continuing our Optimus Creed series about the Optimus Creed, which is an inspiration and motivation statement of value that Optimus clubs around the world use to close their meetings. And at this time, it is my pleasure to introduce the 2014-2015 OI International President, Mr. Ken Garner. Ken, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Shane. Appreciate you having me on. So one of the things we always talk about is your Optimus story. And I know you were on a podcast earlier, but why don't you remind how your Optimus story, and then we can talk a little bit about the year you were president. Sure. Uh, yeah. You know, my Optimus story is one of those interesting ones. We always ask the question, you know, who somebody asked you to join an Optimus club. And my story is nobody asked me to join. I literally had to ask uh, to join an Optimus club because, uh, my boss at the time and in, in 1995, I said, I need to improve my career. He said, go join something. Uh, the mother of the girl I was dating said, why don't you join the Optimus club so we can get free spaghetti supper tickets? And, uh, I said, well, I don't, who do I know? And she listed like seven people that went to church with us. And I had to went up to one of them. I said, Hey, I'd like to go see, um, what's going on. And he tried to talk me out of it. Went the next morning, um, really enjoyed it. And uh, went back the next week and even asked, said, can I come back? And I said, absolutely. And went about four weeks. And finally, I said, what do, you know, can I join? And uh, asked for an application and they had to find one, got it for me. I got signed up. And uh, that's where I started. The irony of it was they were literally running a membership competition at the time. And so I was getting points for the club for being a guest. And then uh, finally got, got admitted, uh, then volunteered to run a the golf tournament for the club that I didn't realize was a fundraiser at the time and uh, later got installed after with the golf tournament was a, was it made a lot of money. And the irony of it was um, the president that year was a gentleman by the name of Danny Rogers. And so uh, <laughs> we have a long history uh, of uh, going to the club. So that's how I started. And from there it became one of those things of, I thoroughly enjoyed the optimist group. I was the youngest by, in our group, in our club, probably by about um, at least 12 years, 12, 13 years to most folks. And uh, the one position I always desired was to be club president. And that uh, that was given me that opportunity not too many years later. I was then told by uh, some of our leaders that I was now to move on to be a lieutenant governor for then Governor Danny Rogers. And uh, met a lady by the name of Patsy Hudson, who talked me into, she got elected to be governor. And she said, you should be governor after me. And I, um, she continued to talk, try to talk me into it. Finally, I agreed and uh, became governor. And the year while I was governor, uh, Patsy Hudson and I started dating and eventually became Patsy Garner um, after uh, we had both served as governor. And uh, from there, you know, the kind of the process continued moving forward. Uh, my optimist story on progression was a couple years after being governor, I got a phone call from uh, Rebecca Butler Mona one night asking me if I would consider running for uh, being a international vice president. And uh, I said, I checked with my work at the time I talked to the office and uh, they said, well, you know, we, we think you, this may be too much for you to take on. And uh, Bob Garner, who I really didn't know that well, uh, was actually a very big client of the firm and contacted some very high up individuals and said, we think Ken Garner should be active in the Optimus group. And I got a phone call from my boss saying, we don't know what club you belong to, but you need to take the next step. And uh, <laughs> so what you're telling us is it, it helps to know people in high places. I don't know if it helps or hurts because, uh, <laughs> you know, I, it's, there's some big names out there that uh, Volan told me at different points during my career. 
And of course, it was the next step was, hey, you need to run for the board. Then it was, uh, we we think you ought to consider being international president. And then then later it transpired to, um, I'm running for international president. I think you'd make a good first gentleman. And so uh, that has been our transition. You know, the one thing that a lot of people don't know is since serving as international president, I've actually had four terms as a district secretary treasurer for the North Texas district. And uh, I am two and two terms as a club secretary and now uh, in the second term as a club president again. And so our our optimist journey, and I'll say our because Patsy, that's where we met. That's what we do. Uh, it just really didn't stop. It hasn't stopped. And I don't know that we know if it ever will stop. That's not the intention. Let's talk a little bit about your year as president. You know, obviously taking on the international presidency is a huge role huge responsibility, but at the same time, a huge honor. What were some of the things you were hoping to accomplish when you were international president? Well, Shane, I had only one goal. Uh, I'll be blunt. Uh, That goal was to show growth. Uh, We've talked about growth in this organization for a long time. That was it. I made no bones about it. That was the intent. I said, it's a full out press. We will go after this using every form, fashion of growth that we know how. However, I said, there is no game plan. Um, I said, I don't believe in stacking books. I said, and quite frankly, if I, I remember telling the governors in our very first meeting, I said, guys, you are accountable for your district, not just on September 30th. You are accountable for at least uh, through March of the next year. And I will, I will personally hold you each accountable. Uh, and I will let you know of, you know, how I feel. Um, should we, you know, inflate numbers or deflate numbers? And so, and I think you can see from the, the numbers that we there was a major intent. We we did not we did not exceed growth that year. We were um, I think it was 257 members short of breaking even, and uh, there was a I think it's 99.47 or 99.53. Five three is one of my favorite numbers. So it was one of those interesting pieces that it sticks in my head of the attempt that was made. And so um, that was it. But it was the intent of growth and to focus on not just to grow for numbers sake, but also to focus on the why, why we would grow. And that's why a lot of the emphasis that you're, you know, I chose this line. We didn't necessarily have a motto or a slogan other than emphasize this phrase that we were going to talk about today, to think only of the best, work only for the best, and to expect only the best. And uh, I kind of really focused on the words, the best, and whatever whatever effort that is. And so when asked, you know, this is this one always resonates very strongly with me. One of the things that, you know, we talk about when uh, an optimist as especially being like a club president or international president or, you know, a district governor, one of the things I was always told, and we can discuss this in detail a little bit, is you always want to leave your club, district, or the organization better off than when you took office. Do you feel that you accomplished that? Yeah, I, I do. I really do. Um, you know, and I can, I can point to that just because of, um, you know, working with Dave Bruns after me, working with, uh, uh, Jim Kondrasic after that and Nick Frilliman, you know, we can always talk about that was a year that nobody had any, I think, bad regrets, bad thoughts. Um, the number of governors and leaders that came out of that year, uh, is phenomenal. The vice president role that I had that year was just absolutely incredible. Uh, I just so blessed, you know, um, Jan Ord Graves, one of those vice presidents, and now she's president-elect Jan Ord Graves. Um, Two of them, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) uh, Janet and uh, Fatima, and I'm sorry, I drew a blank on the last names of Fatima Platter and and Janet uh, Lloyd, uh, serving on the foundation board of directors, going to be foundation presidents here. You know, you just, I look to those folks, uh, Austin Headley being the golf tournament chair for a million years. 
those are the kind of people that I look to and I go, man, these are fantastic folks. I look at a lot of the governors from those years and just the things that they have accomplished, you know, like uh, uh, Russ and, uh, and uh, just different folks that jumped to mind. It's like, those are the things because we didn't focus necessarily, you know, growth was our focus, but it, you can't have growth unless you have leadership and unless you have um, belief in what we're doing. And I truly believe that. I mean, we've lost some guys, uh, rock, uh, passed away and, uh, he still holds a very deep, uh, he was one of our governors out of the, uh, out of the, uh, St. And maybe, region. And, and, you know, uh, maybe you didn't have the membership growth you're hoping for, but obviously you had growth within the organization to be the, to work only for the best and to expect only the best. I mean, absolutely. you had a lot of leaders come out your year from what I'm understanding. So that's growth in itself, having a good leadership pool. Yeah. And I, and I apologize if anybody's listening to this and I left your name out because there were so many, uh, just, you know, so it, um, it does my heart good when I see them, uh, in those additional roles and the things that they do, you know, and it's not, to me, it's not just what are they doing for optimism, but what are they doing in their lives? Uh, you know, you see the impacts of people through social media. And, um, I just, I, I, I think those are those things of they're exercising those positions of, um, knowledge, skills, <clears throat> everything they learned. <laughs> everything they, they didn't learn but they they, they used those years and, and enhanced and so uh, those are fantastic to me you know and when we break down when we look at this creed we can break it down this stands of the creed you know to think only for the best that's you yep. know planning you know you want to think that we can do this growth we can do this we can do that you know that's the you know, as you would call it maybe the planning stages you know what you know what are the things that going into you know planning for something like that yeah and uh you know, Shannon, it's, it's, it, it is the planning, it, but I think it's also the planning to be prepared, the scout motto there, to uh, take on the challenges when they hit you, knowing full well they're going to hit you. You know, to me, that's one of the biggest things, and I think that's an optimism thing unto itself. Uh, I struggle a lot with my um, my mental ability to take on challenges because I can quickly go to a, well, this is, you know, we're going to fail on this, or here we go again, going down this, this negative road. But to think only the best, to me, it actually says, no, I'm going to find the way out of this. I will, I choose to think differently and I will find the positive position or I'll find a solution in whatever's there. Uh, you know, to me, this kind of Philippians 4, 8, uh, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. And to me, those are the big things. If we get caught up in the things that are negative all the time, and there's a lot, it hits us every day and multiple times, but I'm going to choose to think differently. I will not let myself get caught into losing before I even try. Which leads into the next part of it, to work only for the best. So obviously we have to think about what we're going to do, and then we actually have to follow through and execute what we're going to do. Right. You know, and that you to know. me, that's that's a huge piece. You, you you think about it. It's like question I always have. It's why why are we even doing it if I'm not going to do it all out? If I'm not going to give you my best? And I think there's along that lines. It's like, well, what is the best that you can give? And there's a part of me I'm a perfectionist, which I struggle with because professionally as an accountant, it's like I can't always be perfect, even though I'd love to say I was. But it's like you got to do something. And to me, I think there's that piece. It's like, well, I may not be able to give what is needed to do everything. You know, serving serving as club president again for the fourth time. It's uh, one of those things I can literally look at and say, there's no way I can do everything that I know that I want to do. It's it's just, it will not fit because I know it's going to take X number of hours, but I have, I don't have X number of hours, but I have X minus Y number of hours. Sorry for the math, uh, higher level math. But let's say I've got, <laughs> you know, I got, I got three hours a week I can devote to Optimus. All right. 
in that three hours? Can I give it the best that I can give it in that moment? And when I talk about this is it's what I've also seen and observed and tried to do is that when I'm doing it, I'm doing that, not trying to multitask. Um, I fully believe I'm a great multitasker, but I'm also fully come to the conclusion I'm not very good at any of it if I'm a good multitasker. Because if I'm thinking about somewhere else that I want to be or doing, I'm not there. For instance, a board meeting. If I've got 40 screens going on and I'm trying to take care of 20 different things at once, or my phone's, you know, I'm texting with, you know, with Patsy or we're firing off other things. I'm not there and it's not my best. But instead, if maybe I could spend that, focus that to give my best during that moment, then I can also put it aside and feel good at night that I gave my best during that moment, that time. And then I can spend my next, uh, you know, few minutes, few hours on something else, but doing that to the best. And so that's when I think about that working to the best. And again, you know, it's kind of like, I may not be able to give the full amount of time. Which, which I- leads into if we you know, <laughs> make a plan and actually follow through with your work on this for best, we can only just expect the best. I mean, I know it kind of sounds corny, But if you put that all together, that whole line into action, a lot of great things can happen. Absolutely. Yeah. And and, and Shane, you're hitting right on it. I mean, there's your, there's a whole workflow. You know, you plan it, you, you work it, you expect it. And I think maybe that's where we kind of fall short sometimes uh, is number one, expecting. And our preacher recently said, he said, you know, he said, one of the things to help avoid conflict in our own lives is to maybe lower your expectations. And what he was talking about was expectations of others. And what he meant by that was not necessarily lower the expectations of we can do our best, but what we think is their best. You know, for instance, he talked about his kids. He said, I had expectations of, you know, my kid would grow up to be a middle linebacker. Kid hated football. He said, I had to change my expectations. But I think to to have that expectation that somebody, including myself, is going to give their best, it may not be what I think it should be, but it's going to be the best. And it's going to be the best of what they can do with what they have, and then to celebrate it when it happens. And when it exceeds your expectations, then there's even more. You know, I, I can point to that year as, as presidency. There were folks that I had in my mind, I said, this, my expectation for, for so-and-so would be that, you know, they have a few meetings, they might even get caught up and and, uh, talk about optimism or even mention some of the things we talk about. And then I would watch other, watch those people say, fine, Ken, we'll take that expectation you have of us and we're going to blow your mind. But it was because I expected the best from them. And sometimes I think when we're talking about leading other people and working with other people, our goal is to help them set a higher expectation for themselves that they meet. But at the same time, realize if I'm doing my best, you're getting it. And not only are you getting it, I'm getting it. And that's where we're going to come to. And I think leaders too also need to realize that they need to trust their team and offer help when it is needed to make their leaders be the best that they can be. Because obviously you picked that person to in that role for a specific reason. I think that's one thing that we need to focus on with as a leader is we need to help other people develop leadership skills moving forward. So we, you know, we might expect the best of them, but we might have to let them do it the way that they're comfortable doing it. Yeah, Shane, you just hit on something very, very interesting there is that, uh, you know, you, you you picked the people. What's interesting is international president, you don't pick anybody other than committees. And because you are, you're given your board, which is chosen by the delegates, you're given the vice presidents who are chosen by uh, CQ committee and, and voters, you're given your governors who are decided by their districts. You have zero influence, let me rephrase, you have zero power over the picking of those individuals. And I think that actually applies in so many pieces of our life. I mean, those with kids, you know, you 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 had input into how that child, you know, showed up. But 
I would dare say there's too many people out there that say that's exactly how I expected my kid or grandkid or anybody else to look and to act. But for us to be leaders, we still have to work with everybody mm-hmm. as given. And I, that even applies, you know, even in business, it's like, I can try to recruit my uh, team that works for my employment group, but you know, where I currently sit professionally is I've got uh, 15 different people that report to me that I had zero input on the picking of them becoming hired by the companies. And, uh, but to me, I think that's where the leadership comes in is head back to you. What you were saying is you have to help them identify number one, what the goal is. It has to be very clear. Number two, you know, help them plan for it. Three, work with them and four, set expectations that are the best, but also to recognize, let's set them what that can be hit and that can be exceeded. And I think that is where it becomes very valuable is that can you exceed what you are given to do? And if you can exceed what you're given to do, I think people work for that. People love to blow people's minds. Uh, people love the underdog, you know, and I think sometimes the underdog is, well, if you expect me to only, you know, win three games during this year and I go out and win my division, I blew your mind. Mm-hmm. So I think as moving forward too, leaders in this organization need to recognize that they can help people become other leaders by recognizing strengths. Like you said, because a lot of times we don't have any influence of people in those positions, but we can help them grow to say, Hey, this is what I expect. Can you do this or exceed this expectation? Yeah. And they might have an, they might have a great idea of a way of doing things that you might not even have thought of. And that's the great thing about being a leader is I don't care how things get done. I just want things to get done. You know, Shannon, you said that extremely well. That's uh, I think that's where I see a lot of struggle sometimes is people say, this is how it's going to, how I, this is what I want. And this is how you're going to do it exactly. Instead of allowing for the folks to say, wait a minute, I get how you want it done, but we're going to approach it differently. And to, you know, for the leader to step back and say, okay, let's see it and I'll support you. And, you know, I may have to kind of question you <laughs> along the way, but, you know, when you stand on top of somebody and say, you must do it exactly this way, all you're doing is micromanaging and you will not exceed. Somebody's not going to exceed your expectations micromanaging. Because if you think about it, if you micromanage somebody, all the best they can do is meet your expectation. But to allow them leeway and to give them that ability for growth and to accept the fact that people can do their best, which is when we're all on the same page, everybody does their best. Exactly. I mean, and that's what I think one of the things we need to preach more in this organization is we need to let leaders grow because this is when we are able to find new leaders that are going to fill these roles down the road. And if we micromanage too much, we're not giving people the freedom to maybe come up with new ideas. And there's nothing wrong. I've looked at it this way. People say, you can't do it that way. And my question is, well, why can't I do it that way? (laughs) You know, I mean, and I think that if we give people, like I said, if you give people a little bit of leeway, they will be able to open up and they might come up with a solution that I may never have thought of. Might not be the way that I would have done it, but it might be, you know, we, who knows what the, what could have done if I just higher, lower my expectations to say, I want you to do it. This is my end goal. I don't care how you get there. Just get to this point. Right. Right. And I think that's, that's the biggest point. Plan yeah. A or plan T. It doesn't matter what plan. Exactly. I just want to get to, I just want to get to this destination. That's right. Yeah. And Shane, you know, we, we talked about, you know, you help them identify their strengths, um, which I think is so vital. You know, it's always interesting to me. I forgot who pointed out one time. They said, isn't it interesting that, uh, you know, little Susie will bring home a report card and you can look at it and you go, you know, what's this D? Why, why What's this low grade down here? And you focus on that because you just identified the weakness. And uh, and then it's like, we got to build up the weakness and you forget to see, how'd you get an A plus in, you know, science? Or where's this, you know, where, look at, man, you're fantastic in math. 
But we got to fix your English. And that's not to say that we shouldn't be fixing, you know, helping people identify their weakness, but celebrate their strengths and encourage the strengths, which that's what you kind of said. But I think to identify the weakness, and then I think the question is, okay, now how do we address the weakness? I think more so, leaders should be able to ask, how can I help you in your time of need or weakness? Yeah. yeah. How do we, how do we feel that, um, you know, and so many great leaders identify the weakness in themselves and they find the people to fill those roles. Yeah. Reading a book right now uh, about Abraham Lincoln called League of Rivals and how he literally went out and recruited the four men who ran against him for the, uh, for the, for the party nomination as a president, which was a unheard of that you would literally go ask the very people that you were competing with to be on your cabinet, but he did it because he recognized the strengths in them as a weakness maybe he had, and he filled himself to make that cabinet stronger. Because if you're finding your weak spots and you're fortifying them, you are only going to come out expecting the best when you fortify every weakness that you have. That's right. Promise yourself to be so strong that nothing can disturb your peace of mind. To talk health, happiness, and prosperity to every person you meet. To make all your friends feel that there is something in them. To look at the sunny side of everything and make your optimism come true. To think only of the best, to work only for the best, and to expect only the best. To be just as enthusiastic about the success of others as you are about your own. To forget the mistakes of the past and press on to the greater achievements of the future. To wear a cheerful countenance at all times and give every living creature you meet a smile. To give so much time to the improvement of yourself that you have no time to criticize others. To be too large for worry, too noble for anger, too strong for fear, and too happy to prevent the presence of trouble. Thank you for listening to this series focused on the Optimist Creed. The Optimist Creed is the official creed of Optimist International adopted in 1922. The creed is something that every member of Optimist International strives to follow. To find out more about the opportunities of Optimist International, please visit our website or better yet, find a local Optimist club in your area to start helping make the world a better place.